Hey everyone, welcome to episode 110 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's guest is landscape photographer Brian Rube. Just a warning, there is some profanity in this week's episode, and by some I mean a lot. (laughs) I also want to make sure you know that we have switched up our format and no longer have any ads in the intro to the podcast, so hang in there. Stick around for the end of the episode to listen to announcements and thank yous. Okay, about Brian. Brian has been photographing for the better part of 20 years. Combining a degree in photography and a degree in art, he has worked the two together to create powerful and dynamic landscape images. In addition to his passion for art, Brian also has a passion for education and has spent almost 15 years teaching art and photography in the public high school system, which we talked quite a bit about. In this episode of the podcast, Brian shares some of his hilarious stories about his start as a photographer, social media and the strive for validation, landscape photography as an art form, or is it, how workshops have evolved since Brian started teaching them, his work over on Aperture Academy, what it means to be a professional photographer, how some photographers use tragedy, Um, and how some photographers troll for business on social media, and a lot more. This week over on Patreon, Brian talks about how he balances a full-time job, his family, and his photography business, and he shares how his kids find a way to ruin almost everything for him. (laughs) A hilarious bonus episode, to be sure. Lastly, I just want to warn you, Brian and I get pretty down and dirty about some of the negative trends that we see over on social media, so if you're looking for a podcast episode to cheer you up, this might not be the one for you. On the positive side, Brian is hilarious. All right, let's get to the show. Brian Rube, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, it's going. It's been a crazy day for me, man. Sounds like your children have been doing awesome things. Oh yeah, you know, breaking my computer monitor and things of that nature. It's always it's always a good time. Yeah, mine haven't touched my computer today, but they've you know managed to disrail like other parts of my life, which. But if they did touch your computer, it would be a, a guaranteed bet that something would get screwed up, right? Oh, they fuck shit up all the time, forever. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were going to do a little disclaimer about profanity. Oh, yeah, I just want to apologize. I want to apologize to probably everybody. Um, ahead of time, I probably will say naughty words um, more than probably more than you can count on both hands. Um, I will probably Such make a sailor. I, uh, I don't know. I'm just, it's part of my parenting philosophy. So. <laughs> Um, uh, also like to apologize. I said, there's some photog- I heard somebody say like one of the photographers was like, I like listening to podcasts, but it makes me angry sometimes. And I want to just punch the steering wheel or drive off the road or something. I'm going to apologize to those people because I probably will make them want to drive off the road or punch something. So I apologize. Yeah. Well, for- it's funny. I've had some people tell me that's why they like the podcast. So, I mean, I tell my high school students, like the first day I'm like, you will li- either like me or hate me. <laughs> like there's probably there's not really an in between like but i the funny thing, i'm like i don't care which one it is like you can like me or hate me it doesn't affect how i 
I you know how I act or whatever I act. That's the thing too is like I feel like I'm around high school kids so much that I'm almost like one. <laughs> I could totally see how that could happen. My kids are my best friends. <laughs> That's not so. True. So you're a high school teacher, but you're also yeah. a veteran photographer. Veteran, yeah, I like that word. That's just Let's go with it. old, like <laughs> really old. Seasoned. Seasoned, yeah, yeah, seasoned. Experienced. I, yeah, yeah. I don't feel super old most days. Like I feel like I still like you know every once in a while I'll get carded at the store and I'm like. Yup, today is the best fucking day of my life. So I'm like, what did like what did you say? You want to see my what? My ID? Oh, let me get that. Let me tell everybody <laughs> else in line behind me. Uh, then I'm always like, I'm 46. Like I'm two times the legal drinking age, and then some. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I I know you're full of awesome stories, but one of the stories I'd love to hear you tell is how you got started in photography to begin with. Um, for me photography i like was my first exposure pun oh um, was the, the, oh, wait hold on ready uh yeah. oh what you that was awesome I, would, um, I actually my mom took a photography class when i was probably six um at the junior college just she was going back to school trying to get her degree wrapped up um and she took a photography class and i remember she turned our kitchen into a dark room hmm. At the time, like, I'm six, like, I have no idea. I'm just, like, in the kitchen one minute, like, trying to hang out. And then next thing I know, it's like, I can't open the refrigerator. I can't do anything. It's just black curtained off everything in the house. And, I, like, we're just stuck in there for, like, hours, like, watching her, you know, print stuff and, you know, take photos and do that, you know. So I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And if I wanted to go back into, like, the regular part of the house, like, I had to go through the garage. Because uh-huh. there's no then out through the door and out through the yard and around the house, over the fence and back to the front door. So... That was my first, like, you know, exposure with photography. And then I didn't take photography or do anything really seriously with it until I got out of high school. This is in the 90s. And then I only took a photography class because one of my good friends was at junior college with me. And he goes, you're an art major. Why don't you take a photography class with me? And I was like, okay, my mom's got camera gear. We have some stuff. Like, I'm like, I'll do it. So then I just took a photography class uh, at the junior college. And I was like, cool, I'm going to make this, like, I'm double major. I liked it. Um, and I got a job too, right out of high school working for, a, if you guys, if you remember those, a one hour photo labs. Oh yeah. Remember those? Absolutely. I worked there as a delivery driver. So we were like Uber eats for film. Like you could drop your film off and then we would deliver it to you. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was mostly for businesses like real estate businesses, medical offices, lawyers, People who used pictures a lot for different things. We oh, yeah, sure. I could see that. Like uh, if you're going into the courtroom and you need some p- photos mm-hmm. real fast for evidence or something. Exactly. Um, Caltrans, like people like that, that would um, need, you know, pictures of projects. It was a lot of really boring stuff, but we were, that was kind of another way that I was kind of around people who were into photography and the people who worked there were all budding photographers of one level or another. Like one guy went to, um, Brooks or whatever that photography college is. He went there and he was all super. And another guy went to another like Penn state for photography. Like they were good photographers. So I was around them all the time. And by being around them and being in a photography class at the college, like I just kind of started doing stuff. And then by being in the building, I would meet other photographers and pretty soon they'd be like, Hey, do you want to come out this weekend and do some like 
second shooting or B, usually there's like, do you want to come be my errand bitch for a weekend? Like I was like, oh, I'll be a photographer. And then they'd be like, um, take this film back to your lab and have them process <laughs> it. And I'd be like, do I get to take pictures? And they'd be like, no, go take these negatives back. And then I want you to mark each of them with a one through 24 or one through 36 and then coordinate it with the prints. And then we'll try to sell them, which meant you get to sit there and try to sell them. Oh, that sounds so much fun. Oh yeah. It was the worst actually. I remember the, like the first time I actually, you know, really got to use the camera was for a state junior high school track meet, like at the junior college. So there was a lot of schools there and there was a lot of people there. And I was like, Oh, sweet. So I got my, you know, my, I think it was like a 200 millimeter lens at the time. And I had my Nikon FM2 and I had the film and I was, you know, I didn't have to buy the film. They like gave me a roll of film. And I was like, they're like, Hey, Brian, go take a picture of the long jump. And I was like, sweet. So I was like getting ready to run from wherever I was at over on the track over to the long jump pit. And I don't know if you've ever been like on a track, but for sure. There's, yeah. There's like, you know, the track and then the little step up between the track and the middle of the field is about three inches. Um, and so like I was running to like get over there because I wanted to make sure I got some really good long jump pictures. And I hit the, my foot hit the, that little lip between track and, you know, field. And I just ate shit um, all over the field, like in front of like about 15,000 people, like ate shit. Like I didn't break the camera, thank God, but like I like fell and like, I was like, I heard the whole, the whole crowd like behind me went, Ooh, like, you know, those things where everyone goes, Oh, yeah. I was like, Oh, well that didn't go well. Like, I think I just stood up and like bowed or something like stupid, like, Hey, thing, and then ran off and just like pretended not to see anything. Um, I shot the rest of the event. And then after I well, went hold, to- hold on before, before that, uh, I think what everyone, well, maybe it's just me, but I would love to know in the one hour, uh, film developing, like, did you guys ever like look at the photos and like talk about them and stuff like that? Oh my God. That's a great. That's a great. We did. We like, this is the funniest thing. Cause I think people like had this kind of mysterious where they would drop off the roll of film and like, did we just put it into like a little magic box and it came out in the little envelope and just give it to him. Right. I don't think they knew that we sat there and color corrected things. And I had a boss that was super kind of anal retentive about that stuff. And he would really, didn't matter what the people photographed, like he was all into color correcting and color balance and all that stuff. And people did some pretty horrible shit, like in photographs. <laughs> like, like they would come in, like there would be people that would be pornographic stuff, like, you know, people, you know, this is before like marijuana was legal. They had photographed their pot gardens and stuff. And, <laughs> Like I remember this one lady dropped off some pretty risky pictures of some stuff happening at her house and she came back in to pick up her photos and he was like, um, we're just going to have to f- color correct a few of these for density and for a little magenta. And she was like, what? And he goes, yeah, their color balance is a little off. And she goes, you see them? Oh, yeah, you have to look at them in order to color balance. And she walked out and never came back. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we, we saw a lot of really kind of we had a drawer actually, and if anyone worked at a one-hour lab, everyone had a drawer where they used like, oh, "Oh, this one's rich," and you'd put it in the drawer. Like, just either it was like really cool places. It was kind of like our own little Instagram. Like, we had a little box with like, you know, pictures of cool places. Like, we're like, "Oh, that place looks cool." We throw it in the drawer. Oh, or we like, "Oh my god, I can't believe somebody fucking took a picture of that," and then we throw that in the drawer. I mean, and maybe that's where they got the name Instagram. Maybe, yeah. Like, the, like there was cool pictures too because like you get these professional photographers that would have these cool studio shots, but every once in a while those would go awry. And then so you'd have like these really cool model shots and stuff. And then one of them would just be like, I remember one in particular, like there was a baby, like a little naked baby, like, you know, they had the cool backdrop and everything. And there was somebody getting like their 
one-year-old's baby pictures. And he was sitting in like this big bowl. Like he's in there like giggling and smiling. You know, they're taking all these pictures. I was like, baby picture, smiling, smiling. And then the bowl fucking tipped over. <laughs> right when he took the pictures, so it was just like this little ass and like feet up in the air as this bowl's flying over. And it's like all perfect background and perfectly lit. And yeah, I will. That picture used to make me laugh so hard. <laughs> that was like, awesome. Like that would be the picture I would want of my children. I'm uh, like, I'm pretty, that person never saw it. Oh, it was awesome. Oh yeah. And, like the next picture was like a picture of like a baby. Like you can just see like a mom, like running in on the, on the right side to grab this baby that just ate shit off the back of a <laughs> stand. Oh, and um, uh, so where, where did you go from uh, shooting a track and field event? I went for like just working as an assistant for various photographers, you know, basically running errands. And then I went to college and took more classes and I got a job at a one, uh, like a, it was me and like just the instant stuff. I, it, was it was like, like a, a studio. Mall. Right? Yeah. It was like a mall glamor shots place, you know, <laughs> not quite glamor, but it was like where you would go. Like if you were kind of on the budget and you wanted to take some nice pictures, those, your, those you know, places still exist. They do. I'm sure they do. It's crazy. At the time, it was. I remember there's another one in the mall. It was an Arden Fair Mall in Sacramento. It was called Expressly Portraits, which is like the dumbest name. And I used to work strictly, like when I first started, I strictly was a, a darkroom dude. Like they had this little thing that was like the size of a closet, and you would just basically get the 120 millimeter negatives, and then you would go on there and just like print them. Like you would print out this basic package, which had like two 8x10s, two 5x7s, an 11x14, and two sheets of. Um, wallets and, and you know you'd pick some poses that you thought were good and you'd put out this basic package and then the people would come back and you would you know try to sell it to them the photographer would try to sell it to them and i was in the back which was fine like i at the time i think my hair was bleached blonde and like i was just like a punk rock kid like in the back and i was like okay the only thing that sucked was it was right underneath cinnabon oh like they shared the same air conditioning vent so you'd be back there like trying to print and it just smelled like cinnamon rolls the whole time it was awful but eventually, like, um, my boss was like, well, you're a photography major. Why? He goes, do you ever want to get in the camera room and take some pictures? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, let's get you in the camera room. But that was like, there was already established photographers that had been there for a couple of years. So basically that meant you're either getting the, to shoot the people that nobody else wants to shoot, <laughs> or you're going to go out into the mall and solicit people to photograph. Mm-hmm. Both of those are horrible. <laughs> would be like, oh, we're real slow. Why, why don't you go out into the mall, go to the food court, see if you can find some people to take pictures of. Tell them you'll give them a free 8x10. And they're like, I just want to buy a new pair of shoes. Yeah. So basically what I would do is I would just go out and sit in the food court. Like I would go buy like an Orange Julius or something stupid and just go sit there. And if someone made eye contact and they're like, oh, hey, what's up? And then I was like, um... Do you like photo tra- you know, do you like photos? Like would you would you want a free eight by ten? Like I have the coupon, like I work at this place, I'm just getting ready to go back off my break and I'll take your pictures and you just have a free eight by ten. Or that or I'd call my friends and be like, You have to come down here right now. I need pictures. <laughs> and of course they'd come down and like just put on all the goofy boas and stupid crap and look dumb. But it was always there was one lady one time it was like four hundred pounds, and I remember she brought her dog in. Like I have another dog story too, but this lady came in and she was wearing like sweatpants and like a shirt with like holes in it. And it looked like she'd eaten in that shirt at least 10 times. Like it was just covered in like grease stains and stuff. And she was like, I want a picture of my dog. I was like, all right, cool. Dogs way better than just taking pictures of 
like random people in the mall or like these random others that would like I had a group of like 40 people who didn't speak English that wanted a family portrait. Oh, I no. got that. One. Yeah, I got that one. I've never posed more than three people, but let's give him 40 in a small studio. That didn't go well. Like they don't speak English. I'm trying to find like a five-year-old that speaks some English. I'm like, um, can you tell grandma that she needs to sit in the chair? Okay. You know what I was like? And grandpa. Okay. And I know. Okay. It was like, it took forever. And then they didn't buy any pictures. Oh man. That wasn't what I normally would get. So this lady, I was like, cool. I'll take pictures of your dog. But she goes, well, he doesn't mind. I was like, all right, that's, I don't know why you'd want pictures of a dog that doesn't mind and why you would bring it into public into a small studio. She goes, I'll just hold it. And he was a huge dog. He was like a Burmese mountain dog or something like that. It was a huge dog. And so she was like, type, like she would call it and she would like slap her chest. She'd be like, come here, come here. And it would jump on her and she'd be like, take it now, take it now. <laughs> I'm taking all these pictures and they're horrible. It's just like a lady from the chin down with this dog, like attack, you know, like cl- trying to climb up her. I'm like, these are horrible. Like she was like, okay, take another one. I'm like, it was like 40 minutes of just her awkwardly trying to coax her dog into something that looked like a pose. And just her and her sweatpants and her white t-shirt with stains. Like just, and this is in the days of film where every shot counts. Oh yeah. Every shot counts. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're really on those ones. You're really trying to get it. And they tell you, make sure you try to get it in one roll. We don't want to waste film. <laughs> I mean, I'm not getting anything on this roll. And it was like that most of the time. And I remember one time, like I got the, finally got this nice dude. He came in and he had a cool sharp pay and he was like, hey, and, and like, no one else was around. I'm like, oh, man, this one's mine. I'm going to make a lot of sales. He goes, I just want some pictures of me and my girlfriend's dog for her for Valentine's Day. And I was like, I got you. I got you. So I went down. I put down a cool background. And I was like, I was like I'm was like, i extra creative. I got this paper, like this red paper. And I cut out these hearts. I made all these little hearts I cut out. And I was like taping them on him and on the dog. And I'm taking these pictures. And they look good. I was like, man, this is gonna, my boss is going to see this. And he's going to be like, you need to start doing some real stuff. <laughs> So I went back, <laughs> went back and back, and I processed them, and I put them in the printer, and I printed them out, and I was like, man, I did it. Man, I finally showed what I could do. And then I remember my boss comes back, and he goes, he looks at him, I'm like, man, check these out. He goes, oh, this is a real good poses, except for the dog's dick is out in all of them. And I was like, what? I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, the dog has an erection in all these pictures. And I was like, uh, and you can't, photo- there's no Photoshop. Like, you can't get rid of that. It's just this big you know, red thing like in all the pictures and i'm like i uh, there's nothing you can do there's absolutely nothing you can do like the guy came back to look at the pictures and i was like um he was like well it looks like the dog was happy to be here and i was like yeah he's real <laughs> it was it was the it was like i didn't i don't think i lasted really too much too much after that like there was a girl that that tried to molest me like all the time like someone the other photographers was like she'd be like try to push me into the dark room and like take advantage of me. Oh, it was awful. That sounds yeah, amazing. It was awful. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Like I remember too, like if you wanted a break, like you had to smoke because the boss smoked and like everyone else there smoked. Oh yeah. So if you, if you smoked, like you would get like five, 10 minute breaks every two hours. If you didn't smoke, like you were stuck inside until you actually got a brutal 30 minute break. So it's just like, if you didn't, you know, if you smoked, you could go out with the boss and like hang out and sit on the stoop. And like have a cigarette and like talk to him about like, you know, whatever. So like I just remember that was, you know, ended up with like no photography career and like a, a minor nicotine addiction. So how did you go from that nightmare to uh, leading workshops and all that kind of crazy stuff? 
Well, people turns out they really, really want you know pictures of dogs with boners. So like, <laughs> so is that um, is that that's all you do now is workshops, do, dog owner workshops like all the time, like at least two a week. Um, no, I actually pretty much when I got out of college, I really kind of stopped photography for a while. It was expensive, you know. It's like when I have to start buying my own film, and uh, it was expensive. So I would wait till I went on a trip or something, and then I would you know buy a few rolls and photograph and stuff. But I didn't do it on the regular basis. And I remember probably about 2006, 2007, uh, I went to Costa Rica with one of my friends and we were out photographing one night and I had film still, and he had a brand new digital camera. Like it was a Nikon D 70. And I remember he was out photographing. He was like, click, click, click. And I was like, man, you sure not having to dial in exposures and stuff. He goes, no man, I can see it on the back. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah. He goes, I can see it on the back of the screen. I'm gonna, I went over and looked, I'm like, Oh, I was like, that's a whole, like, you don't have to keep notes. I was like, he's like, nah, I just take pictures. And I was like, he goes, I got like 80 on this one little card. And I was like, <laughs> I was like that's like four rolls of film. That's like 80 bucks. And I was like, when I went back, I'm like, when I go back, I'm buying a Nikon D70. And that's exactly what I did. I bought a Nikon D70. I remember at the time, like I was just, I still kind of like that. I still photograph just whatever. So I was like, I had this Nikon D70. I was like, man, I am going to go out. I'm going to figure out how to make waterfalls look like they're silky. And I was like, so I just grabbed the new camera, went out to a waterfall, got there and went, I don't have a tripod. All right. So then it was kind of, you know, I was like, okay, I got it. And then I kind of fooled around with it for a little while. And then I started figuring out. And then I was hooked. Like after the first time I went out and photographed like a waterfall, I'm like, oh my God, look at how smooth that water looks. I was hooked. And then I just started going out every weekend all the time. Um, hooking. And then it was like the time when Flickr was super popular. Yeah. I remember my same friend from Costa Rica was like, you know, you can post photos on Flickr and then people can see it. You other people can see it. And you can see it. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is, you know, like, I was like, you can. He's like, yeah, you put pictures on there and you can search for stuff by keywords. And I was like, I know what you're talking about right now, but I'm doing it. So I just put up all these garbage photos and they're still all up there. If you ever, you know, people want to go see, just go check a look at my old garbage photos. They're all up there. Even the old Costa Rica ones, like 2007. So I was putting up these garbage photos and just like, uh, and then, just putting up the photo was boring. So I started writing, you know, stories about the things that I did when I went up. Mm-hmm. And then through that, like I met um, Stephen Oaks, who was, you know, we, the other person that kind of started Aperture Academy with me. Actually, I started with, he started with me. I, he's the main person behind it. I'm just kind of the, uh, I don't know, the second fiddle, I guess. You're the guy, so, you're I met, guy, you're was, the guy in the back doing the, the processing of the film. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy that, that um, <laughs> The guy behind the guy. Right. Behind the guy. Yeah. I met him in, like, after I've been shooting and writing for a while on Flickr, just posting these stories, and people were, like, receiving them you know, relatively well. Like, they, you know, so I was like, man, I got to do something bigger than just go out behind my house and shoot something. So I was like, I'm going to go to the Southwest for, like, 10 days. I'm going to take the minivan, I'll load it with a nice chest. I'm going to go to, like, Havasu, and I'm going to go to Grand Canyon, and I'm going to go all these places, and I'm going to, you know, make it a bigger story. So I, when I went, I met Steven um, at Horseshoe Bend. I actually didn't really meet him there. Like it was, I went out and he was there the same day. Like, and he was like laid down with his tripod, like on a, like stuck out over the edge. And I was like, it was windy. Like, have you been to Horseshoe Bend? No, I've never have actually. Uh, it's like, it's pretty steep. Like it's a, oh, yeah. it's a ways down. Sure. Like I don't like, I don't, yeah, I don't like heights at all. Like it really <laughs> terrifying me. 
So I just remember I was going out there and I was like already nervous. Like when I went out there, I was like already not feeling good, kind of sweaty. And then I went out there and it was like 30, 40 mile an hour winds. And I was like, oh, this is not good. And like, it's like sand blowing everywhere. And it's like, I'm trying to like get up even enough courage to get 10 feet away from the edge to kind of look down and be like, maybe I can get a picture. And he's like laying down with his tripod stuck over the edge. And I was like, that dude's crazy. I'm like, I don't even know who that dude is, but that dude is fucking crazy. And I kind of rolled around out there for a little while. And then I was like, I can't even do it. Like I kind of got sort of close and kind of took a picture. And then I just laughed. And I was like, no. Then I remember I went back and I was on Flickr and I was just kind of typing in horseshoe bin. Uh, like, I don't know how, if it's still like that, but like you in the day, like people used to kind of go back and you would, if you were somewhere, you would type in where you were and you would kind of see who else was photographing that area at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember I did that. And then that picture of him laying over the edge came up that somebody else had taken. And I just remember going, oh, that dude's fucking crazy. And I typed that on there and then he saw it and he, he emailed me or, you know, messaged me and he was like, dude, I was so afraid. Like I had to lay down. Like I was super afraid. Like I was going to fall. I was like, oh, so you're not just being a badass. You were just scared shitless. And then you were laying down. I was like, that's probably a pretty good idea. <laughs> but we just started, damn, I could have laid down the whole time. So we just started chatting and he was like, oh, you live in, you know, Northern California. Do you know this place or that place? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, so we just kind of started sharing places. And then I remember we just planned to go shoot um, Fly Geyser. You know Fly Geyser? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got a little bit. We decided we were going to go photograph Fly Geyser. Like, we're like, okay, we're going to figure this out. We'd done some research. We kind of figure out the people we needed to talk to. So we just went out there for a weekend and, you know, photograph Fly Geyser. I'm not going to confirm or deny the legality of what we did. <laughs> but okay. I'm going to say we photographed it and got permission from a secondary source after the fact. Huh, well, well and, done. Yeah, so, you know. But to be fair, we really did try to do it the right way. And the guy that was in charge of giving permission, we went to the... It was, like, so cheesy. Like, you go to this place to... They're like, he eats breakfast at, like, the whatever place at, like, 8.30 to 9.00. And he goes, if you find him, you can talk to him, and he'll just let you go out there if he likes you. <laughs> that's, that's So we're like... So we're like, okay. So we, we, we go there... And then, you know, we don't, to be fair, it looked like it was going to be a bonkers sunrise. So we just kind of hopped the fence and went out there and shot it anyway. Um, probably not good to say, given, you know, how we're talking about protecting lands nowadays, but sure. we jumped a fence and it was a, it was a road. We didn't go off trail. We just went down there and showed it. It was a good sunrise. We came back and they're like, all right, let's go find the dude. Let's talk to him. If we have to give him 20 or 40 bucks, we'll give him our 20 or 40 bucks. We'll do whatever, you know, and we'll go back and shoot later. So we go to the, you know, the little restaurant that he supposedly eats at every morning. Um, Bruno's, if you know what Bruno's is, if you've ever been out to, you know, Gerlach. Is that Gerlach? I don't know, man. Yeah, I think it's Gerlach. Um, but we went there and he wasn't there. And then, you know, somebody goes, oh, he's in wherever for the next couple of weeks visiting somebody. And we're like, well, that doesn't help us get permission. And then the dude that owns the place goes, yeah, you're fine. Just go back there. Like, really? It's the gates are locked. He goes, Yeah, just go over it. We're like, Oh, okay then. That, that dude knows him and we're good. So that's what we did. But then we while we were kind of hanging out together, we kind of started talking. You know what? Like I had had people ask me if I taught workshops on photography. Um, and he'd had some people ask him if he taught workshops and he was doing a lot of like art and wine shows at the time and I was just posting on Flickr. Uh um, this was when doing like twenty 20- 2007 2008 uh-huh. and so we were like okay let's do a couple workshops so we did a couple workshops in san francisco like one day workshops and those went relatively well and people had fun and then we 
go, well, these people are like, well, what else do you do? And we're like, well, we got to come up with some more workshops. So then we're like, we'll go to Yosemite. And then we went to Yosemite and they're like, well, let's go to Death Valley. Let's go to Death Valley. And then we kind of started adding more here, more there. And then he decided he was going to open up a big giant gallery in the uh, Campbell area, which is over kind of by San Jose. And then so he opened this gallery and kind of put in a lot of stuff and that kind of elevated it to the next level. So we started hiring, you know, a couple people to help out doing Photoshop and Lightroom classes and some studio classes and added more workshops. And, you know, 10, 11 years later, now we do a whole lot of workshops and yeah. So how many do you do? I personally do about 30 to 40 a year. Sometimes more. It's, it's, it's yeah, most of them, like a lot of them are one day workshops. And then there's a, you know, two days, three day ones Mm -hmm. and a couple longer ones, you know, international ones in the summer. And you guys have to do any form of advertising or is it all organic now? We have the website and we've put, um, you know, we had photos or not photos. We had ads in like outdoor photographer for a while. Mm -hmm. Google ads and some of those other things that, that people do. I don't keep up on the uh, marketing side of it, which is one of the reasons I like being a part of that. <laughs> it's like, I don't have to be, I can just be just like, pitch. I don't have to. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just be, show up. And it's kind of weird too. Like, and I see a lot of people teaching workshops now and they have to market themselves as the reason you should take the workshop. Uh-huh. When people show up, new people show up to workshops. They have no idea who the, fuck I am like they're just like you know what I mean they they sign up and I mean if they really do some digging they could probably find out that I'm an instructor there but for the first time they show up they're just like all right buddy teach me some shit you know what I mean they don't know who you are they haven't seen your portfolio they don't even know if you know how to use a camera so you basically every single time you have to win them over and you know you have to teach them yeah it's a weird concept you like actually have to sit there and teach them because you don't have a portfolio that they even know you know what I mean you're like, trust me, I'm awesome. <laughs> I think I know. We, but sometimes you ju- like in the beginning, like Stephen would teach a lot of workshops with me, and his name's on everything. And then he started like, you know, going, "Oh, you're fine. You don't need me around to do this workshop. You can do it with one of the other guys." And I was like, "All right." Then we'd show up, and people would go, "Where's Stephen?" Like, uh-huh. Stephen's not here. And they're like, "Well, his name's on everything." You're like, "It's true." So then, at that point, you're really forced to be like, "Well, now I have to convince you that I know what I'm talking about." You know what I mean? You have to like, oh, I have to mm-hmm. show you that I am worth you paying the money you've spent, you know, so that you actually learn something. You're like, you have no idea. You've never seen a photo that I've ever taken. You don't know that I know what I'm talking about. You just got to trust that I, I do. So it's been kind of weird. That's a, it's a weird thing. And I kind of like it. You know what I mean? I like that I don't have to market myself as part of the, you know, of anything. How, how have you seen... Uh, teaching workshops evolve since you started? Um, in the beginning, though, it was weird. Like, I remember like 10 years, probably 10 years ago, the first Death Valley workshop we went to, like, I mean, we're, you know, we're trying to figure out, like, do we need anything to even te- go to the national parks? And you look online, and at the time, all the permit process was like, you need a permit if you are going to cordon off any areas that, you know, from the, from the public, like you're like, oh, I'm going to, we need this whole area, you know, and you, if you're going to use buildings that are off limits or you're going to need extra staff supervision, that was why you needed permits, like big commercial shoots. You know what I mean? And there was nothing in between. Uh-huh. I remember we went to Death Valley and we were out on the dunes with our, with our group. And then this ranger shows up and he goes, where's your permit? And I, we had the paperwork, we had printed it out because we're like, we looked and there's nothing that's weird. What we're doing is not listed as some of the things you even need to do. Like, he was mm-hmm. like, 
we're like, look, what it, we're here with like, I think we had six people or seven people. We're here with seven people. We're just taking some pictures. We're not using extra supervision. We're not going places where the general public can't go. We're not doing any of these things that it says you need a permit for. And he was like, you'll need to come to the office. We're like, <laughs> he was basically, he was like, okay, well, you need to come to the office. And I remember they, we went to the office like during our lunch break and there was like five other rangers in there and they had to sit around and they were going, you need a permit. We're like, well, according to what you have on your website, we don't like, we don't, we're not doing any of those things. Like we are happy to buy one if, you know, but there's nowhere to even apply for one. There's nothing, it doesn't yeah. say anything. And they're like, it's true. It's true. You need one. They're like, keep going. Well, it's true. Well, you need one. And we're like, okay, how much is it? Well, okay. Um, you know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't know. They were like, all right. Okay. Um, we'll get back to you. And they would call us. They're like, well, we're going to let you go this time. And then we're going to get some paperwork and we're going to make it more easy to find out. And then it took a while. You know what I mean? And then for the longest time, it was like, every park was different. They're still kind of that way. Every park's different. Like, you're going into Grand yeah, Canyon and yeah. go, do you want to see the print? They're all, nah. Okay. <laughs> and then you go other places where there's like. They're super hardcore. hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember we went to Mono Lake one time. And this is another thing that I've kind of seen too is we're so visible because we drive this big giant van with our name right on the side of it that we get <laughs> yeah. so much hate. We get haters like that just kind of, I don't know, they single us out. Like we were in Mono Lake and, you know, I like to go there and try to figure out, okay, obviously you're telling people don't climb on the Tufa. It's not what we do. There's plenty of spots to kind of work. And if you want to go around, you can wait out to the water and move around, you know. And then I remember we were there one time and this ranger goes, are you the leader? And I was like, yeah. He goes, one of your people was climbing on the Tufa. And I was like, what? He goes, yep. He goes, I I saw him. They were climbing on the Tufa. And I'm going, he goes, and he goes, this was last year. And I was like, okay, well, did you come talk to us? I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I tell everybody, spe- you know, specifically don't climb on the Tufa. And I didn't see anybody doing it. And he goes, nope, it was one of your people. Cause I asked him and they said that they were with you. I'm like, well, that doesn't mean he was with me. It just means he saw my van in the parking lot. And was like, yeah, I'm right. right there. I'm with those guys. Yeah, those guys. I'm so, that's what I'm with. He goes, well, I talked to your other instructor and they said, I was like, which instructor? He goes, well, the guy told me, I was like, well, I was teaching with a woman. <laughs> like, you didn't talk to my other instructor. Like, you're completely off base right now. But somebody had told him, like, they got caught climbing on the Tufa by this kind of undercover ranger guy. And he goes, you know, you yelled at him and they go, well, that's my group. They told me I could. They just threw us under the bus. So I've seen that happen. Um, Mesa Arch in particular is a really good spot to start a fight. If you like, because we, uh, you know, we have a group of 12 people, a couple of us. We'll roll into Mesa Arch, you know, because it's crowded. We'll roll in at two, three in the morning, shoot some night stuff and just wait for sunrise. And then people still don't know that that place is super popular. So they roll in 30 minutes before sunrise and there's no place to set up your tripod because yeah. we've taken a big chunk of it and other people have kind of come in and we've, we let people, if they can, Hey, if you can fit in, come on in, go underneath the, our tripod legs, go over the shoulder, we'll figure it out. And at some point it's like, you know, one of those civil war lines, it's like a bunch of tripods, like side by side by side and there's no more room. And then people get real pissed because they didn't plan right. And so they see our van and they go, it's those fuckers fault. And so they go find rangers. They'll go find rangers and be like, these guys are hogging all the good spots. And thankfully, the rangers, they're like, uh, they have a permit to be here. They got here first. You need to plan your time better. 
but then they get mad and we've had a little hate notes like shoved under the uh <laughs> the um windshield wipers like fuck you guys <laughs> you don't know. you know it's interesting though um <clears throat> i think i think it's sad that people take out their anger on how the public land is managed on you guys but do you think there's any validity underneath what they're expressing Dude, in like, terms I, of I, like I, is it i think so i think i mean and i feel bad like it's like, I think everybody wants the, sh- they see these shots, everybody wants them and it makes sense. You know what I mean? And the problem with places like Schwabacher or Mesa Arch, um, Tunnel View to an extent, like Valley View, like there's not a billion places like, and people get there early because they go, Hey, it's going to fill up and they want these shots and they set up. And then, you know, people don't realize it in their head. They're like, Oh, I can just show up there whenever I want to grab this shot. And they get there and there's 700 people there or whatever. And they go, shit like i didn't plan well who's going to feel my wrath because i didn't plan well and we have the big shiny van out there and they go you guys it's your fault with all those people in your van even though we're driving people around so we are using less vehicles and in theory we're trying to help lessen our impact not Mm -hmm. letting people carpool we're like trying to drive everybody there um and we do try to let people in too it's like we're not gonna stay here forever like if you We'll grab a couple shots. You can jump in and we'll try to work the best we can around people, you know, and I feel bad for them, but it's at the same time, like, it's just kind of where things have headed. And I've seen, you know, to answer your question a little more, like I've seen a lot more people, a lot more workshops kind of showing up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially in those. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's a tough situation because, you know, obviously there's pros and cons to what you're talking about in terms of, you know, reducing your impact on, you know, air pollution and things of that nature. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't personally have the answer. I just think it's an interesting conundrum we find ourselves in, in photography world. Yeah, it is. It's weird. Like I don't, I like going, I mean, it's like, (laughs) I like being places where there's no other groups and there's still places that we go, you know, workshops that we do where there's not a ton of other people, but you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to Yosemite, especially like, People, you know, it's like we're a business. We're trying to get people to be a part of it. And it's like people want to shoot the firefalls. Like, even though I've shot it enough yeah. times, and there's, it's like people want that shot. It's awesome. And the cool thing about that shot is everyone's pointed up. So it doesn't matter if there's 600 people there. You can fit them all in there and they can all get it because it, mm-hmm. you know, it's that kind of shot. And the park has, you know, gotten pretty good at trying to work with people. And, it, you know, from a creative standpoint, I see how people be like, I'd never fucking go there. To the, but don't. You don't have to. That's a great thing about photography is you don't have to. If you don't like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't fill your creative bubble, then fuck off. Go somewhere else. Like, <laughs> like people like it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's like people like it. I still like it. I've seen it a bunch of times. And every time I see it, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like, that's really pretty cool. Like, I- Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Every time I see photos of it, I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, that shot again. And then the other part of me is like, that looks really yeah, but every once in a while somebody will throw a twist on it, and you're like, okay, all right. See, there's still new stuff out there. You know what I mean? We missed it pretty bad this year, but you know, yeah, was, I, you know. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, yeah, that looks pretty dope. <laughs> all right, well, we'll be back in a minute to continue our discussion with Brian. There's a lot more to come on the show. Well, I'm excited to announce that we are furthering our collaboration with Nature Photographers Network. We have created an amazing discussion group over on NPN for the podcast. The goal is to possibly phase out the use of Facebook as a means for communication for fans of the podcast. 
Here's some advantages of using NPN instead of Facebook. NPN is a platform designed for and by nature and landscape photographers. The capabilities of the NPN platform far exceed those of Facebook for these sorts of things. For example, you can subscribe for email updates from NPN for f-stop, collaborate, and listen category. You're not tied to the evils of Facebook data collection. There's a huge community of like-minded photographers over on NPN to interact with. NPN membership is not required to join this discussion category and includes many discounts to great products, tutorials, etc., and has a wonderfully vibrant and active critique forum. Come join us. All right, let's get back to the discussion with Brian Rube. The cool thing, here's another cool thing too, is like we always run into people we know there. You know, it's kind of like a family reunion. You always see people sure. like, you know, like when you're really ran into Aaron Myers from Smug Mug and, you know, he was there with some people and I run into other people that I know and you just get to catch up with people. Like everyone's just kind of relaxing. It's kind of like the Super Bowl tailgate party of photography. Like everyone just shows up, sets up a table. Everyone's drinking. Like there's wine bottles everywhere. It's like, it's pretty That's awesome. how Fall Colors is in Colorado. I've not got to see that yet, but I've heard. So yeah. Only there's a lot more places you can go. So yeah, that's the cool. Yeah, that's the thing with Yosemite is like there's still other stuff to shoot if you right. don't want to do that. Like you don't have to do that. People get so the funny thing is that there's so many people that are like I would never shoot that. That's such a sh- cliche shot. I don't need that. I need creativity. And then you look in their photos and they're like, you went to Tunnel View. Like <laughs> don't you can't talk about how uncreative a shot is if you have shots from Tunnel View in your photo stream. Yeah. Like you like those shots too. You just may don't like them on that day. Yeah, it's hard because I find myself lately in the last couple of years trying to, I don't know, just try to find stuff that's more unique. And But I still, some of my favorite shots are some of those iconic spots and they still have a place in my heart and I still like like those shots and I still like shooting those types of places too. So I feel like there's, there's, you know, you can do both. Totally. Like, and I, I like finding little small things too. And I like showing people little small things um, that they may not see. But here's the thing is like, I always tell people too, like if I'm trying to sell prints and I don't really try to sell prints, but if I, you know, I got to think like that. I mean, I want to be able to offer services for people who want them. It's if you don't have a shot from tunnel view and someone wants it, they'll go somewhere else and buy it. So why not have it? You know, it's like not going to hurt anything. Yeah, it's cliche. Yeah, it's probably not the hardest thing in the world to compose. And who cares, though? You have it. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody comes to your side and they're like, oh, these shots are really cool. But, man, I really want a shot from that tunnel view place. There it is. I got one. You know totally. what I mean? Or Firefall. So it's like those are the things that are going to make you money. No one gives a shit about, like, the close-up of Iceberg I shot. Like, I do because I think it's creative. But it doesn't spark any kind of, like – Fondness when somebody goes, oh, man, I love close-up shots of ice. Brings me back to my childhood. (laughs) You know, maybe one person. But no one, like, they want to see the places that they fell in love with, kind of how they were when they went. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. I I think it boils down to what what you're, why are you taking pictures? Mm -hmm. You know, if if your primary motivation is to make money and sell prints, you'd better be damn sure you get get some some classic shots for sure. Yeah, like there's like, I mean, Aaron Reed has done a great job selling prints like that. And if you look at his portfolio, he's got some cool stuff that is more creative that he's done. But he's also got those iconic stuff, too, because he knows that's what people like to buy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that tree, like there's that tree in Oregon. Like, I've never shot that, but I totally want to. (laughs) 
Like I would, and I would not feel bad about it. Like I would go right up there and take it. And I would not even feel a little bit bad, especially if I could sell like a billion dollars worth of prints of that tree. Yeah. <laughs> I I have that shot too, actually. It's not very good though. I need to get it. I need to get it. Uh, it's, it's a, it's actually kind of a weird experience that one. Cause if the, all the photos you see, it's like you're, they're shooting like super wide angle looking up under the tree. The tree is like four feet tall. I mean, it's, it's like a tiny little tree. I've heard that. It's always a thing too, is when you show up someplace and you've like kind of built up in your mind, this lore of this place and you show up and you're like, this is kind of shitty. Like it's not really the coolest when thing I in the first world. Thought, like, I was like, are you kidding me? That's that tree? What? Yeah. Yeah. I go, what? like. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, you always have that too. Like you build things up in my mind. I'm like, I'm gonna go. This is gonna be awesome. And you get there, you're like, oh, it's a three foot high tree. And then sometimes you go and you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah, pictures don't do it justice. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt at Vesterhorn in Iceland. I mean, that I yeah, the first time I went there, I didn't even know where the fuck it was. I spent three months on that stupid island, and I never went there. (laughs) I got home and I was like, that place doesn't exist. That place isn't there. And then I got home and I was like, oh, literally, I almost walked right by it like that little turn off like i was like oh uh, okay (laughs) yeah that's funny well let's uh i wanted to talk about social media i know it's cliche to talk about social media too but one of the things that you and i had um kind of bantered about offline a bit was uh how there's a kind of growing trend for some photographers to use social media as a way to like get validation for, for their work or like, it's weird how some people go to social media when they feel like they're being attacked or whatever. And they, they, they want people to feel sorry for them or to validate what they're doing. I just think it's fascinating. It's super fascinating. And I, I, I kind of fluctuate between going, maybe I just don't get it or because it's for some reason, I'm like, I just probably don't understand it, but I'll see things too, where you get people, that like something happens to them. And I'm like, if something like that happened to me, like maybe a, like a loss of someone or financial loss or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I wouldn't want to tell a bunch of people about it. Mm. Like I just wouldn't do it. I would just be like, yeah, like my, you know, like the, the most odd do is like, Oh yeah. My, like we lost a dog or whatever. Like, you know, everyone's like, Oh man, that's like as much like, but if like something horrible happened to one of my kids, like I wouldn't be posting it online. Like, but it seems like there's a, you know, people like looking for community at any, any extent, you know what I mean? It's just like, well, then it, I, saw- I don't know about you, but I don't know, as a psychology guy, I'm always questioning, like, why are they doing that? Like, what is their motive behind this? Like, is it, you know, do they really just want a bunch of people to feel sorry for them? Or is it their way of processing the, how they feel? Exactly. Or? Like, like I said, I don't know. Like, I think too, it's like, maybe it's like, I'm not having the people I, in my community to talk to personally. I need somebody just to bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. I just need to throw it to the ether and like maybe something good will come of it. Maybe it won't. But then sometimes you see people that like it's almost habitual. They're like, oh, here's another setback for somebody. And they're like, boom, here it is. Or it's like they get their feelings hurt and then it's like then they feel like the need to go out and just justify it. Like you don't understand how – much you hurt my feelings and i'm just trying to be out here and be the best artist that i can and everyone's hurting my feelings and it's like well they're gonna hurt your feelings more if they know how sensitive you are like that's just that's basic stuff like 
don't let them know that you hurt your feelings. Go out and you know, punch a punching bag or kick a rock or something. Like, yeah. don't talk. Like, if you know anything, if you throw, if you throw your weakness out there and you put your heart on your sleeve, then tell people your heart's on your sleeve. Well, people are going to come at you. Like, that's just how human nature is. Like, oh, this guy's super sensitive. Watch this. Poke, 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 poke. I mean, it's it's sad but true, and I. I I don't ever want to intentionally be that guy either, like poking poking at somebody when they're down. But at the same time, it's like when it becomes a pattern when somebody does that, it's it's just it's kind of a head scratcher. I yeah, I don't even get it. Like I I don't you know what I mean? And it's like maybe I'm just like not using social media the way that it's supposed to be for. Maybe that's what it is. Like you get to just throw it all out there. And I know people do that. Just they seem to share everything. I'm like. You shared 27 things today, oh. you know, from politics to food to houses to what kind of couch should I buy to who should fix my rain, you know, rain gutters. Like, I'm like, that's a lot of stuff just to throw at a bunch of people that you don't know 75% of. Yeah, I'm always like, I don't know about you or listeners, but I, I don't know, as photographers, I feel like it's kind of inevitable that we get flooded with friend requests from time to time. And... uh Every time I get a bunch of friend requests, I'll like, you know, I'll first I'll look to see who they are and like how, what their posting habits are. And first of all, if like none of their posts are public, I'm like, eh, I don't want, I'm no thanks. <laughs> and then the other one is like, if all their posts are public and they post like 20 times a day, I'm like, no, no thanks. I don't need that. Yeah. You see the people and you're like, we have 185 people in common. Oh, that sounds I don't good. know this person. And I don't know 182 of the people that we have in common, really. I'm like, yeah, I'm always like, how? And then my wife is probably the one that the most is like, um, one of your dumb photo friends is trying to follow me. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, first off, you don't know that they're my friend. Like, she goes, well, you have like 4,000 people that you are connected with in some way. I have like 75. Um, so I, if it's somebody I don't know personally, like, I'm not accepting their friend request. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You don't have to. But it's- I was like, I just minorly for marketing purposes. And, you know, I'm like, maybe that person was on a workshop and a couple of years ago and I just don't want to be mean. So I'm just like, I'll follow them. I know it's hard. I, I, I always feel bad, like declining friend requests, but at the same time, it's like, that's not how it's supposed to work. Like just hit follow or go to my photo page yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's the nice thing about business pages. At least you can be like, Hey, you can go here. I don't never, for me, it's like, I don't ever post there, but you know, like feel free. <laughs> Yeah, I always feel bad too. I'm just like, oh, I don't. Or with, with me too, is like I get a plethora too of high school kids that are like, "Hey, be my Facebook friend." Like they'll graduate, and they're like, "Be my Facebook friend," and I'm like, "Ooh, I got to make a judgment on how good of a student you were." <laughs> I'm like, "There's some that I'm like, nope, nope." Yeah, because I always tell them they're like, "You're gonna follow me on Instagram?" I'm like, "Nope." You're gonna follow me on Facebook? Mm, nope. Like maybe after you graduate, I will. But like at this point. I see you every single day. Like, I don't need to know what you're doing. I don't even care what you do outside of school. I hear what you guys talk about in the classroom and honestly, doesn't sound that fun. So I don't want to hear or see some stuff that you don't want me to hear or see because then I'm going to have to do something about it. And I don't want to. Right. Yeah. You know, this whole social media thing, especially with photographers, kind of leads me to another uh, question I had, which I think is related. Um, and it's it's this whole idea of like, what's the definition of professional? You know, like when someone says I'm a professional photographer, I feel like, or you're not. I f- yeah. I feel like a lot of people f- think that professional means that 
Yeah, well, you get the majority of your income from p- photography. I think a lot of people define it that way. But it's funny because, in my opinion, uh, there's a lot of people that get the majority of their income from photography, but they don't meet my definition of professional. Like they're very unprofessional most of the time, especially on social media. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I is I don't even remember like when it became like I the first time I started hearing people like I didn't when I got into photography financially. My whole goal was like, man, if I could just pay for myself to go take po- photos somewhere cool for a weekend, like I would be stoked. That was my goal. Like, or if I could just buy a cable release off something that I sold, that would be awesome. That I wouldn't have to take money out of my own personal account and my joint, my you know, my family account to like buy something stupid for me to go out and play cameras. Um, that's a Ryan Dyer thing. Like, it makes me laugh every time play I play cameras. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, what I mean, I wouldn't have to spend like uh, that. Was my goal? Was like, I just want to, I just want to fund the hobby. That's what I want to do. I just want to fund it, and then it ended up growing into something else. And then, then it started being like, well. If you don't derive more than 50% of your income from photography, you ain't a professional. And it's like, what? Like, it's such a loose thing. It's like, or it's like, if you sell one thing, doesn't make you professional. I'm like, yeah, like you said, like, I know people who, or see people who make all their living from photography and they're not professional. They're far from it. So it's such a weird thing. Like, I think it's just, I think there's people that constantly need to self validate with it and it's just like i need to separate myself from everybody especially since photography is this humongous especially landscape photography is this humongous group of people it's Mm -hmm. massive so they need to go well how do i separate myself from all these other people oh i'm professional and then everybody goes well i sold some photos i'm professional like nope you're not you didn't sell 50 percent of your income worth of photos or workshops or other things you're not professional you have to sell 64.3% at least, then you can be professional. And if you don't post every single day, you're also not professional. It's it's crazy. Like I don't Or if you don't teach workshops or if you don't have a gallery or yeah. whatever the litmus test is, right? Whatever they need to do to make themselves feel professional. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think everyone should start wearing suits and ties and business attire. That's how we'll know if you're professional. Like right. are you is your photo picture on your website? With you holding your camera, are you wearing a tuxedo or a nice formal gown? If you're not, you are not professional. <laughs> That's the new test. I like it. No, it's interesting though because I I think there's a lot of people that are quote unquote professionals in terms of, you know, like that's their full time. Like 100% of their income comes from some form of photography. But how close are they to homeless? You know what I mean? Oh well, that too. But I was thinking just in terms of like how they behave and how they treat clients or how they treat other photographers. Like I've heard so, I don't know, like it's kind of a blessing and a curse being the host of the podcast, but people open up to me like before and after the show and they tell me all kinds of crazy stories about people in the field. And like, unfortunately I could pretty much tell you all the bad things that everyone has done. <laughs> and it's, and Probably, there's a yeah. lot of it. I mean, it's, it's kind of fascinating, actually. It, it is super fascinating. And I hear it, I you know, you know same thing too, as you hear it too. The like doing, you know, I don't know how many workshops I've done now, like four or 500, something like that. But you hear clients too that go on workshops with other people and vice versa. And they want to tell stuff. And, you know, I went on this workshop with this person or that person and they did this. I'll never that. believe what they said. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know how much of this I really want to hear. Like, we're here now in this thing. Let's just do our thing. And I don't, 
Like, cause I'll get engaged in some shit talking. Like, I don't care. Like I'll do it, but like, it's not my favorite thing. Right. I'll, some, sometimes it's my favorite thing, but not always <laughs> is it my favorite thing, but you know what I mean? It's like, I would rather be out taking pictures and drinking beers and hanging out and having fun. Um, and sometimes like you just hear stuff and you're like, I don't want to know that about that person. Or if I've met him, sometimes like, oh, man, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like that person. Uh-huh. But then you start to realize, maybe I don't really know everybody. Like, I think I know everybody. Well, I think I think what, what I would say to that is um, there's always more sides to the story and there's always more to a person than one story, right? So, I mean, I, I've heard really bad stories about some people that I think are really cool people and really professional and I highly respect them and maybe they just had a bad day or, I mean, hell, I've said and done some stupid stuff in my day, and I think most most of the people that have met me think I'm an okay dude. I think you're an okay dude. <laughs> but yeah, I've made some mistakes. I've said some mean things about people, and you know that's part of human nature. But this thing too is, I think too is like, and I was thinking about this is like, yeah, I've said some pretty shitty things about th- you know different situations and stuff. But I think everyone needs a villain or a nemesis. You know what I mean? It's like. That's kind of how the world works. Like, if you don't have someone like that, you're just like, man, fuck that guy or that person. <laughs> like, he's like, you know what I mean? You need that. Like, I think you need that. Like, helps it helps make me better. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm I might do a lot of dumb shit, but I'm not doing that. I'm not doing yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, you need that, that person. Where you're like, like that's why that's why people watch reality television. They're like, I'm better than that. Like, I. I'm not putting ketchup and spaghetti like I. What does that say about us though? Like, why do we need to? Why do we need someone to, uh, to like feel better than you know? I don't know. Like, I think it's just human nature. You know what I mean? Like, everyone has rivals. Like, you know, it's like I've coached basketball, and it's like you know, we go to the team like, oh, we hate this team. (laughs) Well, we hate this team. It's a a strong word. Because sometimes you hate them. Sometimes you just hate them or don't like them because they beat you or they're better than you or they did something that you wanted to do and you didn't get to do it. Like sometimes that's the extent of it. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to be better than them on this thing though. Or maybe next year I'll get them. So I think you just need people that you're just like, man, not that person. Nope. So I don't know. Like it, it kind of sometimes like, like when I'm seeing a lot of the same stuff or whatever, like looking at social media and going, okay, this is a lot of the same stuff. Then I get to, you know, I'm like, what do I need to do? I just need to be mad right now. I just need to be mad for like 15 minutes at something. And I got my go-tos. I got my go-tos. I go, I go here. I go here. I check out what these things are doing, and I'm like, now I'm mad. Now I want to go. Now I want to go photograph. <laughs> and I'm gonna go photograph something because I'm in a bad mood now. Like, and I know I can do better. So <laughs> that's funny, man. Well, at least you're honest about it. I think that's the other thing that I feel like in the field of photography, there's maybe it's just all human human behavior, but I feel like. There's not a lot of willingness out there for people to admit when they did something or when they do something that's maybe not popular. You know, like I think you had a thread a while back, maybe a week or two ago, where you were basically saying, yeah, I value money more than nature. I'm admitting it. And like how many people actually are willing to say that out loud, you know, like. I wasn't sure. Like I was thinking it was more of a kind of a social experiment. And like when I come to boil it down, it's like, I need, like, I, right now I'm the only one in my household that's working. Like, I have two high school age boys and I have a wife that's back in college. And the only person who's making any money is me. So if somebody called me and goes, hey, I'd like to go to this place. And, you know, maybe in an ideal world, I'm like, nah, I don't know if I really want to take people there. If they're like, I'll give you 500 bucks. I'm like, we're going. Like, I'm going. Like, 
pack it up. Let's go. Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to try to be careful while I'm there and try not to do any damage and try to educate a person on how to behave. But like at the end of the day, like I need to make money. Like at, at this point, like ideally I would like to be able to make money and not have to do social media ever. Yeah. But you know, like, and I think too, like people are so nice. Like they, I think everyone's like on social media because it's so public is everyone is really trying to kind of like, we all get along here. Everyone yeah. gets along. And then there's it's, the people you know, like me who are not like, not at all. Like I, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm mostly cordial, but I'm not afraid to, to, to start an argument with somebody just for the fun, fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. But the same thing. Do you remember like when you like in elementary school, when you used to do square dancing, right. And they'd be like, okay, like everyone's going to square dance. We're all getting along here. You can't. And there's always that person that you didn't want to square dance with. Like, and then you'd have to do si do and like switch partners and you'd be like, I'm going the other <laughs> way or I'm jumping circle. Right. Like that kind of, it's kind of like that. So everyone's like real nice, but then you get really down to it. And everyone's like, no, we don't all get along really that well. There's some, you know, there's some underlying kind of stuff where you're like, yeah, it doesn't surface on the, you know, we're all square dancing kind of nicely. But then you look at it, you're like, oh, that person didn't dance with that person. They didn't do si do properly. Like he didn't even make eye contact. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always fascinated when people start getting into debates on social media and there's always people are like, okay, well, let's just, let's just keep it nice guys. We don't need to. And like the, the conversation was nice. And I think the problem is it's like, <laughs> there's not either. There's not a willingness or there's not an ability for people to actually have civil discourse. Like it's okay to have a disagreement. It doesn't mean you have to be arch enemies or like hate each other. Like it's okay yeah. to disagree. Funny too is like, and then we just had this like on one years the other day, like I made a comment to somebody that I was like, you know, I was like, man, how, like, how many workshops have you been on are taken? And he was like, oh, I did a bunch. And then you, then we kind of saw each other's point. I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, you all move right. on. Like, but some people, yeah, it's like, you're like, okay, everybody, we're all getting along here. We're all getting along here. And then somebody kind of comes and goes, yeah, but are we? <laughs> and then somebody goes, nope. And it's like, gloves are off. And then it's like, then it'll be like this change. Like, you'll look at it, you're like, comment, comment, comment. Oh, comment with 74 responses. You're like, okay, a couple of people got into <laughs> it, you know? about something and it got personal yeah but then it's like right back to it like nobody you know every, nobody really really calls it. it's like it's so passive aggressive it's it's kind of hilarious like and i'll be i'm the king of the passive aggressive team like so like i get it like it's like ah i see what you're doing there that's nice <laughs> gonna say something just a little bit kind of snarky but you're not really you're not really putting any hands on anybody you're just gonna go hey hey what about this? Like I do it all the time. I'll just throw a little. Hey, what about and then this? You're like, and you duck for cover. And then you kind of, and then you kind of sit back and go, "They're not commenting. That's guilt. They, they're not saying anything. I knew it. It happens. Like you know, all you, if you like, I'm bad at it. Like it's partly dealing with high school kids. That's how we all deal uh-huh. with things. You throw out something, and then they throw something back, and nothing ever yeah. gets solved. Well, another thing that I think is really interesting is um, some people, some. Uh, photographers, it seems like they use social media to like troll for business. Like, like they look for those arguments or those debates and then, and then they just wait for the right time to strike. And then, and then they're like, well, you should, you should come in one of my workshops. Cause it's like, yeah, that, that drives me crazy. It's like, you hear a bunch of noise and then somebody dresses up like a clown. They're like, Hey, is there a circus going on here? And they just show up and you're like, no, that's not what we were doing. We were talking about some other stuff. They're like, oh man, I heard a bunch of noise. Sounded like horns. I thought there was a circus. I'm, I'll go somewhere else. And they kind of, but by the way, if you need a clown, <laughs> here you go. It's, yeah, it's so interesting. Like, why do people, uh, 
I don't know. We could probably rant about social media for hours, but I, I, I've been trying to spend less and less time on it myself just because like, I don't know, there's a few people that I don't get along with very well. And it's usually because they just, they just go off and they jump to conclusions and they get super defensive. I think that's, that's my pet peeve is when people get really defensive and don't want to just have a, just have a civil conversation. Like, you know, me too. It's like, I was, it's like you're taking yourself way too seriously right now. Like it's landscape photography. You're not like trying to solve world hunger or, you know, cure cancer. You take pictures of rocks and trees. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, and I, I want to preface it by saying that I think, I think landscape photography is art because it's the in the format that's easily accessible to so many different people and it's great like it's a great creative outlet and it's art but barely like it's barely there like it's in my book like and I do it you know what I mean I'm saying like I'm throwing myself in there too like but it's you know in the in the scheme of like artistic endeavors you can do like you look at the bottom and there's landscape photography then it might go to like macaroni necklaces and like snakes made out of play-doh like it's the color, color, color by numbers. That might be a little tougher. Like there's no <laughs> machine that's going to help you color by numbers. You got to actually do the painting yourself. Right. That's true. It's, and I get mad. People get mad, but it, it's for me, it's like, that's why I don't take it myself. Try not to take myself super seriously. It's like, it's fun. Like landscape photography is fun. It is relatively easy and everyone can do it. And you can just make it social and fun. It's, you know, it's not half the, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I had a coworker tell me one time. I think this is like, like twenty ten or something. Like I was super early, maybe twenty eleven, and she was like, "Oh, you're an artist," and I was like, "What? Well, um, I mean, it looks cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like if you work at McDonald's and you make French fries. They're like, you're a chef. You're like, yeah, yeah I cook some stuff." <laughs> But, you know, it's like people that work at McDonald's are like, well, I've been a chef for like four years. They're like, don't you work at Burger King? You're like, same. It's the same. I, you know, I'm a chef. You cook, but you're not a chef. You know what I mean? It's like landscape photography, like you can go out, you can take anyone out for a weekend, somewhere beautiful, give them some basic instructions on how their their camera box works, and they're going to come home with something decent, right? You Like even really good, like depending on how the weather, like all the heavy lifting's done or majority of it by something else, either the camera or the processing or nature. You know what I mean? It's like all those things are doing, like nature was already pretty before you showed up with your camera. You, mm-hmm. If you, if we all went to like a piano workshop over the weekend and, and like, we would still suck at piano at the end of the weekend. Like we would still be really shitty at it unless we had some previous years. Right. Or if we went right. to dance like a ballet, like workshop for the weekend and at the end of the weekend, they're like, can you like do a really cool dance? No, I'm still really bad at ballet. <laughs> like I'm, it's still very obvious. I have no idea what I'm doing or painting or, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, art forms where you can go somewhere for a weekend and come back with cool stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, th- I feel like I might be a little bit more willing to say that, that landscape photography is art than you are, but I definitely agree that it's probably the most accessible form of art that exists. And it's probably just because of digital photography. And, you know, I think it's very, one of the easiest 
forms of art to learn. Mm-hmm. Which makes it great. That's yeah. why it's great. I agree. It does it is doesn't make it great. And I think I don't know, like I don't think that makes it bad. You know, like no, it it is artistic, and there's people that do some really cool artsy stuff. And it, I think even 20 years ago, it used to be even more like when you had to process film and you know really work on keeping notes on exposures and get in the darkroom and really, really you know work with some stuff to come out with something like you know people like Ben Horn and stuff like that. Like that guy, like is doing things on a different level of art. Like that's a different level of art. Like he's relying on a lot more personal stuff that he has to do than like I have to do. I just point a camera at something. There's people too, like, you know, I think like you can put like your camera that's set up for like bracketing and then you can throw that in the, you know, it's like you can do very little, uh, you know, and you get these people like, they're like, I'm a photographer. And then you're like, okay, can you take a picture of my wedding? They're like, nope, I don't do that kind of photography because basically it's all, well, can I throw it on a tripod and push one button? No, ah, nope. And then I'm now, call me out. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're good at that one photographer. You know, I had somebody that we were with one time and we're like, Hey, you need to take some pictures of some people. And he didn't know how to do it. Huh. All the pictures were out of focus. Like it was like, what? Because it wasn't on a tripod. It couldn't push, you know, <laughs> do it for me. And then taking it into a program and go do it for me and then tweak it a little bit. And it's, that's why, you know, for me, that's what kind of makes it less, not that it's not artistic and not fun and not art. It's just super accessible and easy. Unlike, painting or music like you can't just go to like guitar center and be like i'm gonna stay here all weekend long i would like to be playing some acdc and some heavy metal by the end of the weekend and they're like uh, you're still gonna suck at guitar because your fingers haven't built up calluses and stuff for a couple of years <laughs> right <laughs> so you're telling me i'm not gonna be able to make uh, like a hit song at the end of the weekend no probably not the end of three or four years you're still gonna suck at it you know what i mean it's like Although it's I don't know like with it. like youtube and stuff i think you can learn the guitar a lot faster nowadays Oh, you can definitely learn a lot of stuff. Like the learning curve for every art form is like increased because there's so much, you know, you're so accessible to so many different mediums, but it's pretty, that's why I like, you know I mean? Landscape photography is so easy. You just go out. Like, I think the door is a lot easier to get into, but I still think that there's, how do I say this? The difference between someone who just did it over one weekend and the difference between someone who's done it for five, 10 years and, is really like pushing the boundaries, you know, I feel like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely huge differences, you know, in terms of what they produce. And Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, people that are friends of mine that are like infinitely better, like Ryan and David Thompson, people like that, that go out in miles, those guys go out and they, they do a lot of stuff. I mean, they're not, they'll be the first ones to be like, no, I'm, what we're doing is, you know, just like Ryan says, playing cameras, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But at least they, they kind of keep it in perspective. What they're doing is like, you know, beyond you know normal what everyday people do because they're adding, but they also have different kind of art perspectives and they do research and they look at other stuff and they're bringing knowledge from other art stuff into this to try to push it to another level. Right. You know, a guy follows the same way. Like, I can't understand ninety percent of the stuff he writes. Like, I read it, and I go, I have no idea what he just said. So I'll read it again. I'm like, nope, still nothing. And then it's like super elegant and like well put together and his pictures are like well thought out and very sublime and kind of, you know, nuanced. And I'm like, oh, all right. And then, uh, then I read it. And I'm like, huh? Nope. And I, we, like, you know, several years ago, we got into some like interesting conversations and I just had to stop conversing because I'm like, I feel so dumb right now. <laughs> yeah. I feel so, so very dumb because he'll say something. I'm like, I just was making a kind of a funny remark and he came back with something very elegant and very well thought out. And it was like, 
that's a lot. Like, and that just comes out of his brain normal. Yeah. And like, it takes you like an hour to like even read it. You're like, what? what's that? What? Have you met him in person? No, no uh, I had him on the podcast though. And my, my brain exploded. Cause I'm afraid, like I'd like to meet him, but like, I'm afraid, like, I'm afraid, like I would just be able say something and he would respond with something. And I'd be like, I gotta go to bed. Like, I don't <laughs> even know if I could like, I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. You have all these pictures. Like one third of my pictures, it was taken when I was, you know, after like four or five beers. So You're like, well, so where do you stand on the uh, Golden State Warriors? How do you think they're going to do in the playoffs? You would say something like <laughs> super elegant. And you'd be like, oh, that's like poetry. Yeah, that's kind of okay. Maybe I see what yeah. you're talking about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you're like, uh, like, he's next level brain. Like, Yeah, I agree. There's other people like that too. And I'm just like, mm. that's funny. Not me. That's a, I'm on the other side of that coin. All right. Well, I think we're about winding this, this puppy down. So. So who else who else should our listeners want to hear on the podcast? Who do you recommend? Um, I'm gonna go with Kevin McNeil first. And I heard somebody mention him like a couple of weeks ago on your podcast, and he'd be good. But I'm gonna throw another little stipulation: you have to ask him about the cameras that he's destroyed or uh, willing. Or, I don't think that any of them are willing, but I think he's had a a lot that he's destroyed or have it. been destroyed in one way or another. He may deny it. I don't know. But I've heard some things from Kevin. Oh, I've, heard, I've heard some things. I've yeah. heard some things. I would love to hear more stories about that. Um, I just remember hearing one where they were having to throw rocks at one to try to get it off of a cliff. Um, <laughs> that to me is like, that's the best. Um, maybe Aaron Reed would be good. Um, yeah. We were having a really interesting conversation about like, if you were to take all the landscape photographers and make them like, who would they be in the hip hop world? Like, you know, it was pretty, pretty upper level stuff. Like who, you know, who would be, you know, who would oh, be the Jay-Z? I'm curious. I'm yeah. curious. Who, who, who was I? I don't, we only, we only kind of got into it. Like, um, uh, you didn't cover, we, didn't really, cover like, we just started into it. We're like, uh, you know, I think Mark Adamus would be good too. Have you had Mark on? No. He's, he's kind of, he's like, he's kind of wily. He's probably hard to get a hold of. Yeah. There's a whole story there. <laughs> sorry sorry um he would be interesting like i interviewed him for our website and like i just remember like i asked him questions and he was like answered some things and he was like that's not you know which was kind of cool like i appreciate that he was like no i don't like the way that question's worded and i was like okay all right i come <laughs> like okay, i see your point i see your point but you know what i mean i was i remember i was trying to make some weird correlation about like he keeps pushing himself so hard to go to these weird remote places i'm like aren't you worried that you're going to die doing that? Or is that, I mean, is that at the back of your mind? Like, you know, are you worried that you might, you know, you're going to go keep going crazy places at some point you're going to die. Happens to all extreme athletes. And he was just like, no. So I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get the answer I wanted, but that was, that was my line of thinking. Um, and there's Mike Jones too. I don't know. He's an old uh, flicker photographer. That would be kind of interesting. Like he's got a, you know, he was a, like a calendar and like, um, postcard photographer that kind of was the he was kind of like the instagram guy that's like i live in my van and i have my dogs and we drive around and take pictures all the time like he was before, that guy before. before it was cool yeah he was that guy before it was that guy um <laughs> yeah so he would be kind of interesting i'm always like and he's been doing it for a long 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 time yeah so it would be interesting as well awesome cool man well this has been a lot of fun i appreciate uh you coming on and sharing your awesome sense of humor 
Well, I appreciate you having me on. And again, I apologize. I I just picture somebody like driving down the road, tried punching their steering wheel. It is art. It's my art. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some, you know, nasty, some nasty messages probably. Oh yeah. I probably just got a couple of like one star reviews on the podcast from that. For sure. My own. Like, I don't like your language. I don't like the fact that you discredited my art. So that's right. Yeah. And why are you talking? Why are you talking about people's, Weird behavior on social media. <laughs> you're weird. That'll allow you. You're weird. Like, you should be the last one to talk. Yes, you're right. We're all weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm right at the bottom. You can put me right at the bottom of that barrel. Yeah. Well, I'm swimming in there with you. Perfect. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. One of these days we'll have to do this in person and we can just go do it uh, with a couple uh, pictures of beer. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to Brian for coming onto the show to share his controversial views with us. I hope he made you laugh at least once. All right. Well, I have a lot of fun updates to announce, so hang in there. This is probably my favorite part of the show because I get to thank our amazing supporters and talk about upcoming events and future guests. First, a heartfelt thank you goes out to one of our newest patrons, Zachary Smith. It means a lot, Zachary, that you'd uh, pay us a little bit of money every month to keep the show going. So thank you so much. Um, And uh, welcome to the elite group of people I like to call our Patreon podcast producers. Um, You guys are so awesome. You're contributing at the $20 a month level and higher over on our Patreon. And it includes Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, Jason Matias, Anton Everine, Lori Berenson, William Nurse, Ken Dono, Danny LeFrancois, James Bacavoy, Matthias at Photo Magica, Richard Wong, Kelly Buchelern, Matthew Boone, and now Zachary Smith. Thank you guys so much. I can't do the show without your help. All right. Well, as we've been saying in the last few episodes, we're trying something new over on Patreon. So patrons of the podcast are encouraged to participate in our themed photo contests by submitting them to the community board over on our Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com slash fstop and listen slash community. The current theme is S-curves. I want to see your best compositions that showcase a nice classic S-curve through the photograph, leading the viewer up and into the hero of the scene. Let's, let's practice those compositions and see what you can come up with and submit them on the community board. We'll keep this particular theme up and running until June 5th, 2019. I also want to remind people that there's another super, super easy passive way to support the podcast. If you're going to make any kind of photography purchase, consider using our B&H affiliate link, which is in the liner notes and over on the website for the podcast at mattpainphotography.com. All right, well, let's talk about our future guests. Our next guest is uh, hard to pronounce, but I got some coaching from him, and it's Ule Henrik Schelta. Uh, He is a landscape photographer based in Norway. We had such a wonderful conversation, and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you. We also have some other exciting guests coming up, including David Cobb with Photo Cascadia, uh, Justin Machesky, and Waihao Pan. 
I'm also looking forward to a really special panel conversation with Aaron Reed and Colby Brown about marketing and business of photography, and they will be fielding listener questions, so keep an eye out for that thread over on Nature Photographers Network. All right, well, thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.